0: Welcome to Single Payer Radio. We're remembering Christine Perlin-Gump on this week's episode. Many forward radio listeners know that our community lost Christine last month. Chris was active on multiple justice fronts. Today we're listening to her discuss healthcare justice. Christine dropped by the Hayburn studio back in September 2017 to talk about the failed passage of the Graham-Cassidy bill which attempted to kill the Affordable Care Act. Chris shared her perspective on our employee-based, profit-driven healthcare system. Then I'm hijacking and replaying an episode of On the Edge with K.A. Owens. K.A. Talks with Christine last September. About a single payer healthcare system. Special thanks to Harriet Seiler for locating and sending these recordings to us. And special thanks to Christine for her work for a better world. Hello, I'm in the studio tonight with Christine Perling Gump. Christine is a member of Kentuckians for single-payer Healthcare. She became very active this year with the group and has been a, a great help. Uh, she was on the team that helped organize the Medicare birthday party down at Tim Faulkner library uh, this past July. Um, Christine is always passing out leaflets, uh, for, uh, Kentuckians for single payer to raise awareness about what this plan is. And this past weekend, she would, this past Saturday, she was down at, uh, Shawnee Park, uh, promoting Kentuckians for single payer and a single payer health plan at the sickle cell anemia walk. Welcome Chris. Hi. Hey, um, Chris, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday evening, September 26th, and just this afternoon I learned that uh, the Graham-Cassidy uh, repeal bill is going to be pulled. They don't have the votes.
1: Rest in peace.
0: Yes, <laughs> Yes, rest in a long peace, <laughs> although I think we both agree that um, they will pull this back up at some point
1: yes i think we have a respite until january
0: okay so in the meantime um, uh, chris could you give a review as far as a, a summary of what was in this awful piece of legislation and some of the impacts it could have had for everyone in this country
1: okay well i'm looking at the physicians for national health program uh, website Dr. Steph- Dr. Stephanie Woolhandler and David Himmelstein have made a summary of it. Um, they call it the, uh, the Graham Cassidy Bill is a Undertaker Full Employment Act <laughs> because um, it would cause um, 1800, what, uh, 18,200 extra deaths the first year it was implemented and climbing to 41,600 annually within a decade. Um, That's because they would be reducing the number of Americans covered. And there's a a formula for how to figure out how many people are gonna die. Every time you take off, uh, if you you, um, remove 769 people from healthcare, one of those will uh, suffer a preventable death. So there are there are treatments that they're not going to get, and they'll die as a result. So uh, extrapolating that to um, the number of people that will lose coverage, they figure that um, within a decade, 41,600 people would die annually because of the health care they're proposing. Um, in addition, let's see, it also makes substantial uh, cuts to Medicaid, which is the pr- the program that's available to low-income people and transfers a large part of the um, funds to the states. And when, when those funds are being managed by the states, um, the states would be able to monkey around with the pre-existing conditions uh, provision that we have in the ACA. So they would be able to d- decide whether or not to give people um, coverage for preexisting conditions. And the other thing that was in this um, Graham-Cassidy bill was a cap a lifetime cap on um, benefits that a person could receive so that somebody with a very expensive um, condition would eventually lose their insurance, run out of their insurance.
0: One facet of the, um, of the Medicaid drastic cuts was as an example of what could happen would be the uh, cuts in uh, the uh, home and community-based health services which uh, cares for disabled youth as well as uh, adults and seniors uh, with the intent to keep people out of institutions.
1: Right. And so those would be um, gradually, those would be cut by, um, let's see. they were specifically targeted by uh, uh, Graham-Cassidy, um, so it, the optional services that help people to stay at home would have been removed. For example, these were um, transportation services and other kinds of um, things that allow people to stay in a home.
0: Home health care services. Home
1: healthcare. Mm-hmm. So things that made it possible for people to stay out of institutions are gonna be cut under Cassidy uh, grant.
0: I, I saw one piece of info that said that the Medicaid cap would cut $1 trillion from Medicaid over two decades. Um, and that they were planning this bill so it really kicked in either after the senators who were voting for it uh, were, they have some distance between their vote and when the uh, cuts really kick in.
1: Right, um, they're saving. their they're they're doing it in a safe uh, time frame before an election, and the real effects of these bills are going to uh, come into uh, come into play five ten years from now.
0: In Kentucky, over a million people receive Medicaid services. It's uh, young folks, um, adults uh, with disabilities. We had the Medicaid expansion uh, program. Uh, through the Affordable Care Act, and our parents and grandparents um, in nursing homes and and trying to stay out of nursing homes with the uh, home and community-based services.
1: And all of those are Medicaid. And if that Medicaid is cut, those people that are in nursing homes... They don't want to be there, but if they end up there, that's what's paying for it because you can't afford to pay for a nursing home, you know, if you have to pay for it. so
0: Yeah, and with the caps, I mean, what, they're just going to be rolling our, <laughs> rolling us
1: <laughs> and
0: and uh, our friends out of nursing homes and just setting us on the streets? Put us on the ice floe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the <Escorts>. you know. <laughs> just, Yeah, just put us on a slab and roll <laughs> us out into the streets. Um and like I said, it's the uh, one of the, the figures that uh, we have in Kentucky, and, and these are 2015 figures. Um, it's a, a breakdown by ethnicity: uh white Kentuckians, uh, African American neighbors, one hundred forty-three, three hundred forty-three. Um, other races, non-Hispanic, 44,321, and, um, Hispanics, 46,737. So, I mean, it just cuts across, uh, ethnicities and all of our neighbors.
1: Well, healthcare is something that all people need, and, um... If you have a sick child and you are not able to work, you want to stay home and take care of that, then there's two of you on Medicaid because you're not going to be able to pull in an income. So the, the problem is that our health care system is based on uh, employer-related uh, health insurance. And that goes back to the 40s, right, where they decided to set that up. And, um, and that decision has made us different from all other industrialized com- countries because they didn't make that decision. They decided that uh, it was a public good like education or like roads. And uh, so everyone should have access to it and then uh, take care of the rest of your life. You know, just do do what you have to and you'll have your health care covered. And I've had the experience of living in Spain for a year and they have a national health program like all the countries in Europe. And we got ourselves a card uh, to be part of that system and... I had two young kids at the time, and, you know, the kids always get sick on the holiday weekend, and we never had any trouble getting them into the doctor. And when I had uh, my sister visited us with her two kids, and uh, they weren't on the program, but they got in to see a doctor because their kid came down with a real scary-looking rash on a weekend, and uh, we went in and saw the doctor. And uh, I don't believe she ever paid for it. They just they say okay come on in we'll take care of you and we'll see if we have to work this out later as far as the payment goes, so it's it's just quite amazing it's quite a different um, mentality.
0: Chris, when you um, applied for your medical insurance there in Spain, I mean, did it go into pre-existing conditions? Oh, never. And,
1: Oh no, 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 no. And, you know no.
0: all these. Uh. Uh-uh.
1: Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Um, d- did you encounter any issues with medical bankruptcy while you guys were living in Spain?
1: No, no. And and they're like our Canadian neighbors. They they just uh, give you the card and you use it for what you need, and their generosity extends to the countless. Uh, refugee immigrants that they have, both in Canada and in Spain, those those refugees when they come into Spain, are getting coverage the minute they get off of that airplane. So we need to have that here. I think, yeah.
0: Most definitely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When when you were um, spoke a little bit about uh, say a community uh, community based healthcare in Germany, that that they would pay family members to uh, stay at home and care for frail uh, relatives rather than institutionalize, Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, once you have public consensus to have a state-funded system, you can be very creative and, and deal with needs as they arise. As the public suggests something, this is something that we need to make all of our lives better. You're not worrying about someone else is cheating me because they're doing this or that. You're just trying to come up with the best plan for you as a community. Your, your, your country is a community. What can we do? What can we? How can we tweak this to make it better? So that in Germany, no old people want to live in an old person's home. They want to stay in their house. And let's say you have a son or a daughter that is willing to help you out. They don't want to give up their job. They don't want to completely give up their income. So the government provides a subsidy to that caregiver to stay with mom in her house um, as she ages in place. And that's, that's brilliant, isn't it? I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what we want to do. That's what um, we want to do, you know. The... And
1: so I'm not saying that when Germany first implemented. And by the way, of European countries, Germany's has 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 the most um, has the oldest national health program, which was like in 1910 or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So they've been at it for a long time, and by being at it for such a long time, they've gotten really good at it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, perfect. I know when my dad was, uh, as his life was ending, I really enjoyed we would go out driving on weekends and spending that time. And it would have been great to be able to take a day a week to give my stepmother a break as well as just to, to be able to spend time. And, you know, why can't we do that here? Yeah. What What's the where is the social solidarity yeah. in this country? I mean, we were, yeah. we were both talking about...
1: We're always uh, being divided, you know, like people... A lot of people are against um, single payer be, because they're worried that they're working hard and here's somebody over here getting something for free that I'm working hard. And right now with our system, it is the case that many people who are getting insurance through employers are... Not able to make the payments, are not able to make the deductible. They're basically they've got a piece of paper that says they have insurance, but they don't really have insurance. God forbid they get sick. Whereas someone with Medicaid might have coverage because just the way that program is set up. But the problem the problem is trying to divide people into groups based on income. You know, if we were we're paying twice as much as the Canadians, and what do they get? They get full coverage, cradle to grave. We get Horrible inequities, like a hardworking person not getting the same coverage as Medicaid, and then along with that, you have this whole bureaucracy of people chasing people down to make sure they're not getting above that income limit. A whole layers and layers and layers of bureaucracy to make sure someone deserves Medicaid, or to make uh, you know to pay, to pay the insurance companies. That's a whole other layer of bureaucracy. So.
0: And in Kentucky's Medicaid program, if Governor Bevan has his way, um, with the work requirement. And we have looked at other studies that show that there isn't long-term employment gains. If people can work, if there are jobs in their community, then they're working. Right. And it's just this false, like you say, a, a splintering, trying to peel... People. Kill
1: people apart, set them against each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah, working folks,
0: they work hard. When it comes time uh, to get a raise, employers are saying, "Well, we can't give you a raise because the health insurance increases, the premium insurance are taking money f- for raises." Now, you know, again, that that all depends whether it's the CEO at the, making these obscene millions and millions of dollars or versus person. a small business or
1: person, it's yes. an incredible yes. burden yes. on them to have these premiums that are crazy going up, you know, they they go up so much every year. So how can they make any kind of business plan? So well
0: um, uh, you know, we're we're held hostage to jobs because we may have the illusion of insurance and then as we get sick, we find out oh, that's not covered, or oh, you haven't hit your limit for out-of-pocket, you have to pick up the tab on that. You were also talking about uh, the Canadian health plan. How many pages? uh, Oh, yeah, uh, well, I'm uh,
1: just... Kind of curious about this, of course, um, we at the station here are very fond of HR 676, which is Representative Conyers' bill that now has 119 co-sponsors, yay. Um, And uh, to me, a beautiful document, only 20 pages long, and large print, uh, large (sighs) margins on either side. So um, it's a easy to read document. Um, They want people to understand it. you know, why should it be so complicated? Why should there be fine print? There isn't, there's, so anyway, but I was just interested to find out that the the Canadian health plan, uh, which covers all of their medical system, uh, single payer system, is 18 pages long total, and it's in English and French. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about a, a beautifully simple, Document to to govern uh, what they do. And I'm sure the the um, medical system is a huge part of their economy also. It's a sixth of ours or a fifth? Or well, it's, it's, what, it's whatever
0: 17% yeah. of the economy Okay, is, so uh, it's a sixth yeah. of our economy.
1: Yes. And I'm sure it's a huge part of theirs, but somehow or other, they were able to condense all the salient points in 18 pages, or nine if you just say the English version. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, and it's such a large part of our economy, as we yeah. know, because oh. a third of the fund, uh, what we pay for health insurance, a third of that doesn't go for actually health care delivery systems. It's all the doesn't administration. Help a single,
1: doesn't help a single patient, yes, right? Yes, doesn't yes. help a single patient.
0: When you looked at the Canadian health care system, what was something that just, besides the simplicity of it, was there anything that struck you as now you were saying that as um, folks were coming into Canada uh, from say Syria or other countries that are facing war and, and other refugee uh, status that they're they're
1: covered they're covered yeah they received that right away mm-hmm. so that day yeah, yeah. and Chris,
0: what is the deal? I mean, yeah, it's, I, and it's, we're we're less than ten hours from the border, and up in Canada, healthcare is a right. Yeah, here, a privilege. Is it something in the air, the water? What? What's the deal?
1: It's it's just that we started out attaching it to whatever job you have, and then even and then. It's kind of been a patchwork ever since because obviously there are so many kinds of people like children, you know, that are going to, perhaps their parents aren't working. Well, then what do you do with them? Well, then you start this CHIP program or then, you know, and they just keep, you know, avoiding the obvious question of, well, how about if we just consider it as a public good and, um, and, yeah, a po- or of human right if you like and then uh, start from that promise
0: instead yeah, it's, it's not a commodity it's mm-hmm. a right yeah and let businesses do what they do best their their mission for their business and they can get out of the the healthcare provider mm-hmm. uh scene and it, you know you you shared um a little bit of at one of your events where you were uh, passing literature out that um there were some folks involved in the uh, health insurance uh, business and the Conyer bill uh addresses some of those issues with regard to worker displacement and uh providing severance and training to help folks transition to a Another part of the economy,
1: right? So that is written into the bill. And being in Louisville, you're going to run into a whole lot of people that are in the health health, health insurance industry, and um, some of them are worried about the transition to a public a single payer system, obviously. And so they will be given two years' salary at their current level, and uh, while they transition to other employment, or they will give, be given preferential hiring into what becomes the public system so they are they are covered in the bill
0: was the as far as the salary was at like up to a hundred thousand yes yes it wasn't for the ceo okay (laughs) (laughs) yes okay chris what uh what else is cooking with you with regard some of uh, your activities with uh, the group uh, any other walks coming up?
1: Well, I'm looking forward to um, uh, being part um, when we do a presentation at the Sickle Cell Association. I think for the most part, people were um, very receptive to the idea um, that healthcare is a human right. Um, look at these are little children that are affected by that horrible um, illness. That you know, it's just you can't imagine what it would be to get that diagnosis your little kid. You know, it's a lot of suffering. And so um, people are looking at this as seriously as an alternative. Why not? Since the system that we have obviously is not working. um, We need to um, look at, uh, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can look at our partner, you know, our neighbor nations like Canada, those in Europe, look at what they have and um, just eliminate that 30% of our healthcare dollar that is going to administrative costs. It's keeping our doctor's offices crazy busy. You know, the nurses there can't even visit patients because they have to be on the phone to the insurance company to see if whatever the doctor has said this patient needs to have can even be covered by that particular patient's insurance company. You know, and so you you have these doctors trying to do their job. They can't do their job. The nurses can't do their job businessmen can't do their job, can't hire the employees they want because they have to worry about whether they'll fit into the health care program that they have just on every level it's not working.
0: Yeah, and the covered drugs change by the hour it seems like.
1: Right, right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a you know there's a, a logic for the book, from the bookkeeping end of it for why they do that, but <laughs>
0: Now, Chris, let me ask you this. When you talk with your network as far as uh, when they ask, well, what's up, Chris? And you you tell them that you're uh, volunteering with Kentuckians for uh-huh. single-payer health care. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised that you're involved with uh, the group. But it, do you get any raised eyebrows with single-payer? or Absolutely.
1: Or- People don't have any idea what that means. and. Um, there is a wall of silence between us and Canada. I'm afraid that our media don't want us to know about that because they are receiving funds from the very companies that are keeping this off running, you know. Right, right. So, uh, so we are not going to find out about Canada because nobody here is going to make a buck on us having a Canadian-style system.
0: Well, and we... Uh, we do find out about Canada when uh, we played the, um, the exchange between the, was it Senator Durr of North Carolina? Burr. Burr. Yeah. yeah. And, and the uh, Canadian doctor and how mm-hmm. she, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm either astonished by how little literacy there is among our elected officials Is it just they listen to the dollars that are coming before them, or
1: right? He was severely he's challenging the Canadian system. Well, you know they're they're famous for their long waits for elective surgery, for example. Um, But if they have an emergency, um, it gets taken care of. And 85% in the polls in Canada, 85% of the people there love the system, and their very most conservative politicians would never dream of saying anything against the system, like they're going to dismantle it or water it down uh, by offering a a dual-track system where there's partly public and partly private. Um, Apparently, they tried that in Australia and it was a, a disaster. They had a single payer system and then they threw in kind of a, pri- a private version of it, mm-hmm. like a parallel version and it caused uh, the cost to go way up and the outcomes to become worse.
0: So. Now you were talking about uh, one YouTube um, uh, showing that was it, you can't go home or
1: you can't go home again. So it's interesting to see this YouTube. You can't go home again. Americans in Canada share health care stories. And the reason it's interesting is because, um, you know, Canadians grew up with this. They kind of take it for granted. They don't understand really even our, can't even understand our problem with health care. But these are Americans that um, for uh, different reasons ended up in Canada and they talk about their experience um, with the health care system there. And um, can't go home again is because in each case they... Um, One had a child with a a very, very serious illness that would have bankrupted her had she returned to the United States to treat it, and so she can't come back to the United States and visit, you know, long-term visits with her family and stuff because she's got this sick kid. That if she attempted to treat him in the United States system, they would they would go bankrupt. And then another um, older woman had a similar story. So it's a very worthwhile um, YouTube. To, okay. To watch. Uh, yeah. d-
0: definitely going to check that out. Um, and and you talk about bankruptcies. I didn't know if the um, if the PNHP um, article about uh, Graham Cassidy, if it if uh, Dr. Will Handler and Hibbelstein, uh mentioned anything about what that would do for uh, medical bankruptcies and i know that
1: elizabeth warren has has parsed that all out and um i, I don't know if they, they they didn't go into that um le- uh, depth the detail on okay. this but okay. obviously if that many people are getting thrown off then uh there would be that many more bankruptcies yes yeah. yes exactly
0: chris thanks a million for okay. uh, stopping in i really like some of these uh, perspectives that you you uh, shared, your Europe, European experience, uh, some of uh, your readings about what's going on in, in uh, uh, home and community-based healthcare in Germany, the 16-page Canadian <laughs> healthcare bill.
1: We can do this.
0: Yes, we can. We
1: should. We just haven't asked. Loud and clear that that's what we want. Exactly. And so, as citizens uh, of a democracy, we can do this. And as far as the cost, we're already paying for it. We're already paying twice as much as we should, and getting an inferior product.
0: Yeah, exactly. When when you uh, when when you were talking about Canada, it's not so. It's not the one sixth of their economy. Well, yeah. They're ju- they're just paying half of what we pay per capita. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, good lord. Come on now.
1: And they, you know they pay less for drugs too because yeah. people drive their car up there and fill the trunk with the drugs yeah. and bring it back because they've got better uh, arrangements with their pharmaceutical companies yeah. also. Yeah, so.
0: it's not a free-for-all for um, moolah.
2: You're listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're on 106.5 FM, and you're listening to Forward Radio. We're broadcasting from the top of the Hambron Building in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, you can find out a little bit more about us if you go to forwardradio.org, and because we're live streaming now, if you go to that website, click on a button, you can hear us anywhere in the world on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. So folks, we're having a great show uh, for you today. We've got uh, Christine Perlin. Welcome. Hi. Uh, uh, Ms. Perlin is with Kentuckians for Single-Payer Healthcare, and she's going to share with us uh, some information about that organization, single-payer healthcare, and some of the other things that people are talking about in the healthcare realm. So again, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you very much. Well, I am with Kentuckians for Single Payer Health Care and we are the Kentucky branch of a national organization called Physicians for a National Health Program. The Physicians for National Health Program uh, Suggestion for uh, fixing our healthcare insurance problems is to have a single payer system. Um, the single payer system means that um, you have universal coverage. Uh, everyone is automatically covered at birth. You have a full range of benefits. Uh, you're covered for all medically necessary services. Um, it has a choice of doctor and hospital so, there's no networks in a single payer system. Patients are allowed free choice of their doctor and hospital. And uh, there is uh, progressive financing, which means that premiums and out of pocket costs are replaced with progressive income and wealth taxes. 95% of Americans uh, will pay less for health care under a single payer system. So um, uh, this is our bill that we would like to have. Um, Two of the Democratic candidates um, presently are favoring a single-payer system. Um, That's um, Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders. And um, it's interesting to listen to the debates um, when the health care issue comes up because A lot of times, a candidate will say, oh yeah, I want to improve coverage. And generally, if they're not in favor of single payer, what they're talking about is tweaking Obamacare. And that is a very complex system. um, And it's still a very profitable system for insurance companies. Uh, Obamacare has been referred to as an insurance reform program. In other words, the insurance companies are full steam ahead uh, on making a profit under Obamacare, although some aspects of Obamacare were a vast improvement over uh, previous systems in that um, pre-existing conditions were not covered before Obamacare. Children could be on their parents' insurance programs until 26. That was an improvement. Um, but for the most part, um, Obamacare is not as good as a single-payer system will be. And those uh, improvements from Obamacare, of course, are carried over into a single-payer system. Um, because insurance companies are there to serve their shareholders, their first and foremost um, idea is to make a profit. And so the um, patients come down the line, somewhere, uh, probably not even second. Somebody else—they're planning. They, they plan. They make their corporate plan with somebody else in mind, but certainly not patients. So, if you um, you hear many stories about people who have been denied care, um, and uh, that's because an insurance company makes money by denying people that they cover uh, care. So, okay.
2: So, um, I mean, that is one of the issues that the American people are, are very much interested in is, is, is health care. But I think there's a, a really big confusion in the country today. I don't think that Americans really want health insurance. What people want is health care. They want to go to the doctor, be treated and not go into debt, not have to worry about uh, who pays or do I have enough or deductibles and co-pays and all of this complicated uh, uh, sort of barnacles on health care in America that's causing the system to fail. That is what, of course, Americans need is health care, not health insurance. But in this country... The, the terms have become conflated and causes confusion.
1: Well, the insurance companies have been very successful at interposing themselves as middlemen between the physician and the patient. And in many cases, the insurance companies will tell the doctor what he can prescribe for a test, what kind of medications he can give, and so forth. The the doctors are on the phone hours a day trying to get what they want for their patients from the insurance company. So... All the insurance companies are is middlemen who are extracting wealth from our health care system. And as a result, Americans pay per capita twice as much as people in Canada who have universal coverage from the day they're born.
2: So um, the system we have now, it's a very expensive seating uh, system, but it's not really successful and producing outcomes?
1: Our outcomes are terrible, and they're getting worse. Um, our um, life expectancy is dropping. Maternal mortality is increasing. Infant mortality is increasing. We are ranked of, uh, let's say, 30 advanced nations. We're down, like, by 27 on a lot of these metrics. So it's it's quite a scandal.
2: Yes. Uh, so we have the most expensive system in the world.
1: The most. But, by far.
2: But it doesn't produce outcomes to match up to the money that we invest in it.
1: No. Not even close. No, no. It's being, well, mean, we have 30 million or 40 million people that are uninsured, for example. So as much as we're paying per capita, that's dividing the whole expense among every person in the country even given that there's still 30 or 40 million people that are uninsured i'm sorry i don't know the exact number but
2: But, in other words there's no excuse for us spending that much money and not insuring all the people exactly
1: exactly so you have to whatsoever where is the money going so the, the insurance companies and you can tell them who are they they're the ones with all the skyscrapers on on the skyline of louisville aren't they Right? They always have the big buildings. They always have the huge ad, um, advertising budgets. And their CEOs make tens of millions of dollars a year. Where is that money coming from? That is our, our employers, ourselves, our co-pays. Everything goes through them. They extract what they want for themselves and their share, shareholders. And we get what's left, which isn't enough Um, not being able to pay your health bill bill continues to be the main cause of foreclosures in the united states people thrown out of their house because they can't pay their health bill
2: and so there are still people who die in america because they can't get the health care that they need
1: absolutely in spite
2: of the fact we spend more than any other country that's it
1: that's it that's it that's why it has to change So, um, people are gradually becoming aware that health insurance isn't the thing they need. It's health coverage. And that's a very good way to put it. Now, if we were to... So, the insurance companies um, are aware that they're not so popular right now. So, what you're going to hear them do is they're gonna squirt a lot of ink to make you feel like these um, single-payer plans are gonna take away your coverage. You hear them saying that. Even in the Democratic debate, they were using that term. And that's also a Republican talking point where they're going to take away your coverage. Um, If you have universal coverage like they have in Canada, that's not taking it away. That's improving what you have. Okay. Right? So ahead. they're going to take away your insurance and give you coverage instead. <laughs> that's what single payer is.
2: Okay. So um, uh, so we're talking about health care, right? That's, that's right. what we're talking right. about. And so um, so you would still have... The ability to pick your own doctors?
1: You would have more ability to pick your doctors because we're all familiar with the term of in-network and out of network. Now, where did that come from? It didn't exist before private insurance companies took control of our healthcare system. That's their game. That's their way of extracting profit from our healthcare dollars because they set up these systems, they enroll doctors, they they decide they're going to pay them less or something because they'll get more customers. I don't know the mechanism exactly, but they 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 make sure that they have control of the network and those are the only places you can go if you need health So, uh, so you'll have full if, if under in Canada you can go to any doctor you want and there's nothing no, no impediment to that like a network.
2: And so Will that ha- this have any availability of, uh, effect on the availability of doctors? For instance, right now in America, it's hard to find doctors in rural areas because uh, when they graduate from medical school, they're loaded down with debt. And so, you know, you want to become a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon uh, so that you can uh, pay down your debt as quickly as possible. You don't want to go to uh, Harlan County and be a primary care provider. So is, uh, uh, is uh, a single payer going to help with that?
1: Well, um, in Canada, there are densely populated regions and there are sparsely populated regions. So there is um, a an oversight board to allocate uh, money for hospitals, clinics, and so forth, MRI machines. So, like in cities, you have, you know, neighboring hospitals have all this expensive equipment, mm-hmm. and so in Canada they don't let that happen. In Canada they don't let that happen um, because they have they have um, standards about uh, funding for uh, areas.
2: Right. So. Um... So we have plenty of models out there about um, uh, for single payer because the United States is sort of the only country in the world that doesn't have right, the right. only industrialized country that doesn't have uh, 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 what a form of single payer.
1: Right. So you have Scotland, Sweden, Taiwan, Japan. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, all over the place, everywhere. Everyone, every industrialized country but us has it.
2: So, not only is it not cost the system we have now. Only, not only is it not cost effective. Not only is it not producing outcomes. Not only does it leave millions upon millions of people not covered, but it really sort of. Uh, it's just more of a burden than a benefit. I mean, in uh, what John Yarma talks about, uh, who's uh, the, the congressman here in Louisville, talks about how it benefits Germany, for instance, that employers don't have to worry about health care. Don't have to worry about it. It's not something important. Employers...
1: Right? Yeah. Yes. They. Um, so. People who have small businesses or even you know, larger corporations like GM, in GM in Canada, they don't have to uh, consider health care costs when they're negotiating a union contact- contract because that part is completely out of the picture. They can just negotiate on, on other all the other issues that, that might be involved in labor. And if you have a small business and you're competing against somebody who has a, a national health program, you... You ha- you are responsible for paying for your uh, employees' um, health benefits in the United States, but your competitor in Canada doesn't have to pay for those things. So who's gonna who's gonna do better? And and so many um, small business people here are struggling with the issue of how they want to be good bosses. They want to provide benefits, but every year the costs for health care go up from the private insurance market.
2: And so. Americans have got to sort of get away from even the concept that certain people deserve health care and certain people don't because of their occupation. The truth is uh, uh, a millionaire shouldn't have necessarily better health care than the garbage man. I don't see any reason for it. Uh, The the congressman shouldn't have better health care than the school teacher there's no reason for that there's no reason for anyone uh there's nothing moral about any american going bankrupt to pay for health care right and uh whether it's ordinary procedures or something extraordinary uh, and there's also no reason for these uh, pharmaceutical companies to buy up for instance Drugs that are been in existence for 30 years, buy up the company that owns it, and then artificially inflate the prices just to make a profit. We can't have that uh, that sort of thing because that hurts the entire country.
1: Right, and so under a single payer, the government will negotiate directly with pharmaceutical co- companies in order to get a better price on the drugs. That's how they do it in Canada. That's why um, people are going across the border to Canada to get their insulin, which they can't afford in the United States, but which costs 10 um, percent of what it costs here to buy up there, just going across from across the river from Detroit. <laughs> so it's it's um, it it would it would give um, our national health program, the single-payer program, will give um, the government a lot of negotiating power with the pharmaceutical companies.
2: So in, in other words, if you have ordinary people in uh let's say the household income is i don't know to $60,000 a year there's no reason for those people to struggle because one person in the family has
1: diabetes exactly
2: and it's and so with even with that amount of money the diabetes drugs are so expensive now that those people are going to have to cut back on things just to pay an artificially inflated price now for people who don't have that it's even worse there's no reason if you're poor in america uh, for whatever reason there's no reason that you have to be made even poorer or get sick and die because you can't afford your medicine for your diabetes there's nothing right about Making poor people struggle to get health care. There's nothing moral about it. There's nothing ethical about it. There's nothing Christian about it. There's nothing Buddhist or Muslim that that makes that correct.
1: Well, can we call, uh, quote Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said of all the forms of inequality, injustice, in health care, is the most shocking and inhumane.
2: Yes, and so uh, so. Uh, 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 we've got a long way to go in this country. So what do you think the, the prognosis is? I mean, more people are aware of it, more people are talking about it. Than
1: yeah, I, it's, it's, the, it's the same question that we face on, on pretty much every issue right now is, what do you do when you're faced with organizations that are making a lot of money um, doing immoral things? <laughs> You know, it's it's really um, the question about capitalism, isn't it? I mean, is that they they are they're not doing anything illegal, but by man, by t- extracting care dollars, the insurance companies are denying benefits and they're causing people to die.
2: Exactly, and so how society is structured is up to us, um, and it's nothing natural. It's pretty artificial. That is how wealth is created and uh, uh, handed out in this country. There are people who, by the way society is set up, people who are artificially poor and there are people who are artificially rich simply by the way that the rules are written. And so uh, uh, companies become... Wealthy through government regulation uh, and uh, having friendly legislation passed through um, state legislatures and through the United States Congress. Great fortunes are created on uh, resources that were originally owned by everyone. I mean, everything comes from the the land, the water, the plants of the forest, uh, the minerals, the uh, 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 sediments that were, you know, laid down over millions of years that originally belonged to everyone, and then uh, folks made artificial claims to uh, the land, uh, the water. Uh, medicinal herbs that have been in existence for thousands of years. A, a company would, would patent it and say, hey, I own this now and I'm going to charge you so much money for this medicine that uh, uh, that I own the uh, chemical formula to. So uh, wealth has been art- artificially created uh, and so people are actually forced to do without uh, uh, so many things. It's just, uh, now here in Kentucky, we had... Uh, Of course, uh, expanded Medicaid, uh, one of the states that did well with it under a prior administration. And it's just interesting to me, it was people in Kentucky, the richest country in the world, they had a primary care provider for the first time. Right. it's great that they had that, but it's a shame uh, that that would be the first time that they uh, would actually have a primary care provider that they could go to. And then they could, under expanded uh, Medicaid, they could go to the dentist every six months. For the first time, right? And, and get an Probably X-ray the first
1: time they ever saw a dentist.
2: and get get their teeth cleaned uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and an X-ray. What a shame! I mean, great that expanded Medicaid provided that, but what a shame that's uh, it's the first time. Uh,
1: so it, it, here's, here's, um, there is a myth, um, a series of myths on this page from Physicians for National Health Program, and one of the myths is the United States has a privately financed health care system. The fact is that 64.3% of health care spending is financed by taxpayers already.
2: So say that number
1: again. 64.3% of health spending is financed by taxpayers
2: So 63% already financed by taxpayers.
1: Right. And so that would include Medicaid. Um, That would include the VA. That would include um, Medicare. Now, Medicare, you've paid into uh, your working life, and you get it when you're 65. But those other programs are just uh, programs to help people that have earned it one way or another, but estimate. Okay. So it says estimates that are lower exclude two large sources of taxpayer funded care, health insurance for government employees and tax subsidies to employers. So, um, but if you include that, if you include the fact that, um, health insurance for government employees is paid for by the taxpayer and you include the fact that employers that provide insurance get a tax subsidy for doing that, you come up to that 64.3% of health care spending is already financed by tech- taxpayers. It's just how is it allocated? And a lot of it is going to, uh, insurance companies. So folks, we've been talking to,
2: uh, Christine Perlin, uh, Kentuckians for single payer Healthcare. We're talking, uh, about, uh, that organization, what single payer is, uh, what some of the candidates who are running uh, for the nomination are talking about as far as their plans. And sort of uh, uh, in the few minutes we've, we've got, got, got less, what about uh, Kentucky? What about the country? What, what do they need to know in the few minutes that we've, that we've got, got, got left?
1: Um, well, we need to know, uh, the first question everyone asks is how are we going to pay for it? Um, as I just mentioned, we're already paying for health care to a large extent the majority of the money is already coming from the taxpayers. And, um, the, uh, the second question is, well, I'll just say it's not affordable. Um, um, Single-payer programs, we feel, are affordable because they do not include the 31% of current healthcare spending that is squandered on administrative tasks needed when you have an a insur- uh, private insurance program. So the insurance companies require so many um, levels of administration for physicians to run their offices, for hospitals to get reimbursements. All of that sucks up a huge administrative cost. Um, the uh, that's about 500 billion <laughs> a year So um, in any event, um, to hear an actual economist um, uh, talk about this issue of how affordable is it, um, we would like to invite everyone to come to the um, speaker. Gerald Friedman is a professor of uh, economics from University of Massachusetts Amherst. And he'll be speaking at um, the uh, Unitarian Church on October 24th at 7 p.m. all about how... uh, to pay for a single-payer health care system.
2: So that's First Unitarian Church?
1: First Unitarian Church. And
2: where is that located? Uh, that is on, uh, is
1: that on 4th Street?
2: Yes, it's, uh, that's on 4th Street. Let's see if we can find the, uh, uh, well, First Unitarian Church is very close to the Louisville main public library. It's sort of almost right across from it. Uh, you can look, look from the main public library at the First Unitarian Church. So it's, uh, it's sort of a well-known, uh, well-known spot here in Louisville for So justice. please come
1: to see uh, Dr. Friedman speak about um, uh, uh, the single-payer uh, health care system and the economic imperative. If we want to have universal coverage, it will have to be a single-payer system.
2: And what date is that now?
1: That's on October 24th. October. That's a Thursday evening.
2: Yes, uh... 809
1: south forth 809 South forth
2: that's where that's where it is. So uh, it should be uh, just a really great film at 7 p.m. at First Unitarian
1: Church. Well, it's not a film. It's a live speaker. Dr. Friedman oh, is coming right. in from Massachusetts. Yeah. We're very right. happy to have him because he is an, uh, he has specialized in um, precisely um, health care financing for a good part of his career. That's so, right,
2: Dr. Yeah. Gerald Friedman. Better than a movie, the, the real thing. All right. October- With a
1: question and answer at the end, if you would like.
2: Okay. Okay. Good, good. October 24th, Thursday, 7 p.m. 809 South 4th Street, First Unitarian Church, Dr. Gerald Freeman. All right, uh, folks, uh, we've been listening to Christine Perlin uh, from Kentuckians uh, for Single-Payer Health Care. We've learned a little bit about the events uh, that are coming up. Uh, Had a chance to uh, uh, have an overview of our health system And, uh, hopefully we're inspired to go out there and, uh, improve the system. Well, not improve the system that we have, but. Improved
1: Medicare for all. (laughs) Medicare for all. All right.
2: All right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's where we're headed, headed folks. And that's, that's where we need to, that's where we need to go. um. So, um, oh, by the way, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens. Uh, We do not endorse uh, any political party or candidate. Uh, Do not uh, endorse... uh, specific pieces of legislation. So uh, that's our caveat that we must, must, must give. Uh, we're just here to educate the people and let, let the ideas uh, go forth. But, uh, folks, we'll be back next week. Uh, th- thank you so much.